What's up, guys? It's David Wright with the New York Mets, and you're listening to the Talking 21 podcast with my man, Danny Torres. Hi, everybody. This is Eric Davis, a.k.a. Eric, Eric the Red. I'm Talking 21 with Danny Torres. Be there, be square. Much love. Hi, it's Bob Costas, and you're listening to the Talking 21 podcast with Danny Torres. Hey, this is Derek Shelton, manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Talking 21 with Danny Torres. Retire number 21. Welcome, everyone, to the Talking 21 podcast with Danny Torres. And once again, thanks for tuning in. As we conclude 2023, we pause to remember and reflect on the untimely passing of Roberto Clemente Walker on New Year's Eve and why he boarded a DC-7 plane and why he is always remembered as a humanitarian. That's the Clemente we celebrate and honor 365 days of the year. Our next guest is a proud member of the Pittsburgh Pirates. During the 2023 season, Joshua Palacios had a memorable year with the Buckles. And in this podcast, you'll hear why fans have gravitated to this Brooklyn native who said in this episode, I set monthly goals on how to improve. You'll even hear the excitement in his voice when he was asked to play right field on Roberto Clemente Day in 2023, including running in the outfield, waving the Puerto Rican flag. And before we kick off this podcast, I want to make a slight correction. I stated David Wright's final game was in 2019. The correct year was 2018. My bad, David. But you're going to hear why. I misspoke and why I wasn't at that final game at City Field. That day, I was invited to meet a special guest in Cooperstown, New York. So sit back, get comfortable, and listen to my conversation with a bucko of Pittsburgh Pirates, Joshua Palacios. Then look who's taking the field, heading out into right field. With the Puerto Rican flag, Josh Palacios by himself. His grandfather from Puerto Rico. Nice touch. Joshua Palacios. That's really cool. He gets it, doesn't he? They sure Josh Palacios, he is something. <laughs> really is. Man from Brooklyn with ties to Puerto Rico. Joshua Palacios, welcome to the Talking 21 podcast. How you feeling, my brother? I'm feeling great, feeling great. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I know we're New York natives, <laughs> but let's let's be honest for our listeners and viewers. I'm from the Boogie Down Bronx, the home of hip hop. <laughs> so what can we say about uh, Brooklyn, New York that can top someone that's from the Boogie Down Bronx? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, Brooklyn, New York, home of the best pizza, where they do it the best in hip hop. Y'all started it. We did a little better at the end of the day. Um, okay. Beautiful place, uh, beautiful basketball, home of the crossover as well. So we got a lot going on in Brooklyn, man. You know. I know, I know. Well, listen, let me tell you, your journey to the big leagues, I mean, it's a fascinating story. I wish we had a lot of time to get into that journey, but I'm going to tell you right now, to be very honest with you, Joshua, because I know your mother likes you to be called, not Josh, but Joshua. <laughs> Tell me how supportive your parents have been throughout this journey. Oh, my parents have been incredibly supportive throughout this journey. Honestly, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without my parents' support. I mean, my dad and my mom, 
working long hours, like my dad waking up at 5 a.m. going to work, working overtime, and then getting home at like 8.39 and taking it straight to the batting cage as soon as he got home, throwing his batting practice for hours with no complaints, never hear him once complain anytime we needed help or anything, he was there. And my mom working long hours and help making sure that the grades are white, great, help tutoring us and help us with the homework and the SATs. Is, I couldn't have done it without them. Couldn't have done it. Well, there's someone that you have not given credit to. And I'm not talking about your brother, Richie. I'm talking about Uncle Ray. <laughs> Tell me about Uncle Ray. Tell me about those three uh, homers that he hit in his three season. And also, <laughs> did he play with Bo Jackson? Bo Jackson was his yeah. teammate, right? Yes, sir. Crazy Uncle Ray. He played with Bo Jackson uh, Kansas City Royals. He played with George Brett as well. He won't let anybody forget that. And, um, yeah, he had some big-time home runs. He had the home run he had on video, the walk-off. I've seen it about a thousand times. I can tell you exactly how it happened, where it happened, when it happened. Dude plays at every family function. So, yeah, Uncle Ray, is that, he was definitely there. He was a help. He was checking in with my dad, and they were always watching my swing. And at the time, I was a catcher, so he'd teach me a bunch of catcher stuff. Well, you know, talking about Uncle Ray, let me ask you this. I mean, three years in the big leagues. Listen, he made it to the big leagues. Yep. But was there any advice or something that had stuck into your mind about not only what your parents have shared, but what Uncle Ray said? Because Ray did get to the big show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the number one piece of advice he always reminds me is you haven't done anything yet. Every le every level that you level up to, you end up at the bottom. You start at the bottom of the barrel. You got to keep working your way up. And as soon as you get some success, don't feel comfortable because he always remind me you ain't do nothing yet. You ain't do nothing special yet. You got to keep pushing. You got to keep evolving, and adapting, getting better every single day, or else you get left behind. You know, I like that from Uncle Ray. I look forward to being Uncle Ray. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I got a chance to speak to someone that I'm sure you know from your. 2023 season with the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Buckos. Uh -huh. And it's not a teammate. It's not your manager. It's not one of your coaches. But I want to read what they said when I spoke to them. Mm -hmm. Joshua quickly became a fan favorite with his boundless energy and his contagious enthusiasm. An absolute breath of fresh air. Brooklyn swagger to <laughs> the bird. <laughs> Cannot say enough good things about this down-to-earth pro and capital P-R-O. Wow. He plays with confidence and determination, and there is no doubt the Pittsburgh Pirates feed off of him. That is from Pittsburgh Pirates broadcaster, play-by-play -play announcer, Greg Brownie Brown. Wow. What, when you hear something wow. like that from Brownie, you know, what does that mean to you? I mean, it's an honor. It's an honor and it's a blessing just to be a part of that and to bring joy and a breath of fresh air to the guys like that. For me, I'm just playing the game that I love. I'm spending time with a bunch of guys that I really enjoy spending time with. And um, I'm doing what I dreamed of. So every day for me is like it's like, a, like waking up to Christmas morning. Like I just enjoy and I love everything I get to do. And it's a blessing that those guys can share words like that. And uh, I can't wait till we get to playoffs and World Series, and we can bring all that to the Berg and have that energy in that place rocking like that, man. I can't wait. It's lovely over there. Well, when you see Brownie and Bradenton, you say, yo, my man, I like what you said to Danny. Yeah, respect. Respect, yeah, Brownie. Respect, that. Baby. <laughs> so listen, here it is. This year, this past season, you hit 10 home runs. Your first Major League homer was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. You 40 ribbies. What could we say if you played 150 games? 
But what do you believe, Joshua, was your biggest accomplishment this year? Some memorable homers, but what were your goals? What did you go into spring training and say, this is what I want to try to do in the 2023 season? Um, well, unfortunately, my number one goal in the 2023 season was to win and try to make a playoff. So that was the number one goal there. Like, I wanted to be part of playoff baseball. And, and a hell of a start for the Pittsburgh Pirates, man. Yes. A hell of a start. We had an amazing start. Uh, we really, at the end of the day, we came six games short of a wild card. So that was crazy to sit there and think about that and all the things you could do just to win six more games on a wild card. But it was definitely number one was to win, experience winning baseball and play in the playoffs. And then number two, I, prior years, I would, I would put numbers together and I put stuff. But this year, my goal was just how can I get better month to month? Each month, each month how can I find ways to make myself a better player than I was last month? And I locked in on that heavily this year and I'd follow those numbers and try to adapt to what was going on, where my weaknesses were, and try to grow in that next month. Would you say, you know, I like that thought process where you say it's something that you jotted down, you went back to your coaches, and you said, okay, the month is over. What did I accomplish? What did I do correctly? What do I need to improve on? So that's pretty cool to think that that was your your understanding of what you had to do month to month. Yes. I try to take like a long-term process of if I could keep getting better month to month at the end of the year, I'd be a better player than when I started. So um, it was shout out to the Pittsburgh coaching staff from the minor leagues to the major leagues. Every month and pretty much every week, being able to check in with the guys, even the pitching coaches checking in with them, like, how would you pitch me? What is my expected slugging? Like, what do my numbers look like? What do I need to improve on? Where Where is the cold zones or where you see the, that I'm, like, weak? And where do you see that I'm strong? And then constantly getting that feedback, constantly working back and forth with them, and then learning how to grow in that. How do I make my strength stronger? And how do I eliminate my weaknesses or at least hide them a little better? You know, that's true. I like that. How do you hide them a little better? Well, let me say this to you because I think you already know, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. For the 2023 season, you could say, Joshua Palacios, you were part of history because not only with the pitch clock, 15 seconds between pitches, 20 mm -hmm. seconds, um, they're looking to drop it down to 18 for 2024, uh, banning the shift, Yeah. obviously violations from the standpoint of if one of the infielders obviously didn't position themselves correctly, larger bases, mm -hmm. uh, the amount of times that a pitcher could throw over the first base. So once again, you're part of history. How did you, Joshua Palacios, adapt to these rules? Um, for me, it was actually a lot easier than most other guys because last year I had a good amount of time in AAA, and the whole year in AAA last year, we had these exact rules. So for me, it was like I got to adapt to it last year. I got to get a feel and not gonna lie, the pitch clock and all that, at first you have to build the internal clock to really have understanding and a routine to make sure that you're not you're not getting strikes called on you. So this year was a little more like last year where I, I made my adaptions, which was great in the minor leagues, and I could kind of flow into the game of what I was kind of more normal to me because I played a whole year doing that. So, you know, you talked about from the standpoint of adjustments, you're talking from the standpoint of having the experience being the AAA. But I'm going to throw a word at you, and it's just a word that's been permeated throughout Major League Baseball these last seasons, I mean, probably within the last 10 seasons when you really think about it, is analytics. <laughs> How do you look at analytics as a ball player with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Now, obviously, you were in two previous organizations uh -huh. with the Nationals and the Blue Jays. But how does Joshua look from the standpoint of when coaches are coming to you 
obviously the index cards that we see on TV <laughs> or at the ball game. How does Joshua look at the numbers, so to speak? So the way Joshua looks at the numbers is first thing I do is um I look at the analytics of the past. I like analytics in terms of how how measuring what has happened, and then I'll take it, look at the past. All right, X it can split it up, and I look at what has happened. And then I can use that as somewhat of a rail and a guideline of what could happen in the future. And I have that in the back of my mind. And then from there, I use my feel and I use like the game and what's telling me and the adjustments to make. But I just use those guided rails. Like, all right, it could go in this direction. I've got a plan for the way it could go. And then from there, I just make my slight adjustments as things are moving. For me, I don't I don't really try to use it to predict the future. I just kind of keep a note of what could happen in the future by using some analytics. And I love the way it measures what you've done in the past. Like I used it to help figure out, am I getting better after last month or am I getting worse? And what did I change? What am I swinging at more? What am I not swinging at? And things like that. Do you find the routine that a lot of times, you know, when I'm sitting in a press box, it's obviously unless they show it on the monitor. When I'm at home on TV, immediately you see players look at their tablet. Is that just something of a norm that a player will turn to a tablet after a particular bat? Is that something that Joshua does? Yeah, um, uh, a lot of guys use the tablet for a lot of different things, looking at that bats, looking at the pitches thrown. Me, I'm a big guy. I try to stay away from looking at my mechanics too much on the tablet. And when I go back, I might want to know, all right, was this pitch like, was this pitch where I thought it was at? And what did this pitch look like? I, it's the big leagues, man. These guys throw nasty curveballs, sliders and everything. And you may sit there and think it's doing one thing and you go back on video and you realize it's doing something else. So I try I try to, after that bat, take a look, figure out where those pitches was at, and then after that, kind of just wipe it and what do I have to do next? Um, how has your brother adjusted to all of this? I mean, when you get a chance to speak to him, what's what's his thoughts? On the analytics? Analytics, uh, the new rule changes, uh, things oh. along the lines of where he is with the St. Louis Cardinals. And obviously you with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Just oh. something that maybe you brainstorm. Maybe even when that particular day when uh, he was there at PNC Park where maybe he said to you, yo, my man, I saw this. I don't know how you didn't hit that or how did you miss? How did you misjudge that fly ball? Is that something that you tend to hear from your brother where he might have seen a game and you get feedback from your own brother? Yeah, we both collaborate all the time. So when I get my – by the way, like when – we were playing each other the first time. Everybody's like, yo, how do you get your brother out? And it was vice versa on the other side. And I was like, look, man, I really don't know. I'm not a pitching coach. So everybody kept asking me. I was like, bro, y'all specialize in this. You'll figure it out. But uh, we'll collaborate a lot. And, like, I'll go over when I, after I'm done doing my research on the day and I'm doing my studies, I'll go back and I'll watch his game, like, on the database and watch all his at-bats, and he'll do vice versa. And then we'll compare notes. Like, yo, I saw this on this picture that I faced last week, and we're in the same division. So – he could be like, oh, yeah, but I saw this. And we compare our little scouting reports and notes and the pitches. And we try to help each other out as best we can in terms of uh, trying to beat other teams. Now, I like that you're saying that, that word, collaborate. Because if there's something that a lot of times you hear with today's athlete, how many players actually watch the game, mm -hmm. watch the pitcher, yeah. watch a particular at-bat, learning the game from that perspective, not just simply getting an index card or going to the tablet. So I'm getting a sense that Joshua Palacios and even his brother Richie, that you guys are in tuned in the game to see if there's things that you could pick up where it's going to improve your, your style of play. Yes, and that's one thing that Uncle Ray and my dad preach from young 
is that you always got to be watching the game and paying attention because you never know you're going to get that edge. When you're watching, you're paying attention, you're in tune with the game, there's always giving little signs of what might happen or a little edge that you might be able to pick up. And you miss those things, you're going to miss out on big opportunities. You know, you talked about your dad, you talked about Uncle Ray. One of your teammates, I'll keep them nameless, I'll tell you after the fact, he did actually tell me, uh, you know, a lot of where even his own dad has has said things to him, similar to what your father has said or Uncle Ray has said. So I find that dynamic rather interesting that, yes, you have your coaches, but there's just something about turning to your significant other who happens to be the person that is called your father of getting things and hearing little tidbits about uh, the game of baseball and even especially as much as you could crack jokes about Uncle Ray. <laughs> it's just some things that you've been able to think about and say, you know, right, Uncle Ray is right. So for me hearing you say that, uh, Joshua, I got to I gotta applaud you. You know, Roberto Clemente Day, how special it was when we think of a few things. Number one, you ran out to the right field. Your position ah. that day, thanks to our mutual friend and your manager, Derek yeah. Shelton, Shelty, who, along with his coaching staff, they said, yo, man, we got to put the Boricua out in the right <laughs> field. Him, so to. I guess the, the first thing I want to ask you before I keep it, even continue, whose idea was it for you to run into right field waving a Puerto Rican flag? <laughs> All right, so they, they came to me prior to and they let me know the situation. I mean, first of all, I was honored. I, I still can't even believe that I was able to be the first Puerto Rican since Roberto Clemente to play right field Pittsburgh. Like, it's, that'll be forever. I'm going to put that in my grave, man. That's just, that means so much to me. But they came up to me and was like, yo, you're going to be the first Puerto Rican in the years. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, yeah, it'd be cool. Like, they were like, yeah, you know, would you ever be interested in running on a flag? And I'm like, bro, I'm down for that. So they was like, yeah, we'll have you like Sammy Sosa with a little flag. So they had a little flag there. I'm like, man, Puerto Ricans, they can respect this little flag. We need to do a big. So they even got a bigger flag. He was like, bro, all we have is this humongous flag that's outside. I was like, I looked wow. at the little one, and I was like, go get the humongous one. And that wow. was the flag that we ended up running out to right field with. Wow. So here it is. They were going to give you some rinky-dinky Borico <laughs> flag. And he's like, nah, nah, that ain't happening. Nah, give me nah. the real deal. One of, one of the people there knew me. He was like, you know, I know Pilo, bro. Would you mind? You got a huge flag outside. Would you rock with that? I'm like, man, the Puerto Ricans want to see the big flag. They want to do a big, man. You know how we do it, P.R. That is so cool, man. That is so cool. Well, let me ask you this feeling. You got a chance to hold Clemente's bat, his jersey, and his glove. Now, I'm going to tell you honestly, as someone who has a Roberto Clemente collection directly right behind me, and by the way, I got a Clemente autograph, right? That's 1972, fire. He, signed, he actually signed that program. Got some pretty mm. special items. But my beef always, when it comes to handling, Something that is Clemente, if you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, I can tell you because I've had the honor of being in the vault of the Baseball Hall of Fame, they wow. have you put on white gloves. Oof. I'm not a big fan. I kind of cringe. Yeah. I saw them just holding Clemente. I was like, yo, you don't do <laughs> yeah, that, man. I, I mean, some white gloves. That would have made me laugh if you would have told them, yo, my man, I can't hold that. Like, literally, I'm like, TV, no, I can't. Where's the white gloves? Give me something. I'm not holding it. That would have been pretty damn funny. But obviously, yeah. you said the word, the holy grail. So for yeah. Boricuas, Puerto Ricans, whether you're native or New Yorkans like ourselves, 
that was something that you're never going to forget. That not only you was able to hold his jersey, see his glove up close, and see this unbelievable heavy bat that I guarantee Joshua can't come around on that bat because I've held Clemente's bat. So what what was something like, again, what was the feeling that you're knowing that you're holding something that belongs to someone who sadly, tragically died this year, 51 years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. The The feeling was, I couldn't believe that it was happening. And then the second thought is like, yo, there's got to be more hits in this thing. I'm trying to like siphon all the hits that I can out of this. My man had 3,000. He definitely had a couple, 2,000, about 3,000 left in the tank. So I was trying to rub off all the good juju on me and everything, but it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Like I went to the Roberto Clemente Museum. I did the tour. I got to see the, the bat and the gloves and everything in there. And never did I ever think that I'd be able to hold it, especially without white gloves, just touching his back, touching the jersey. The, the jersey was crazy though. It was wool. I know my yeah. boy was itching in that jersey. It was oh, probably yeah. hot oh, in yeah. Pittsburgh. And he was still doing his thing. And then the glove too. It's, it's hard yeah. to even explain and put into words. It was literally like holding the Holy Grail. I, mean, I didn't even I, know I was possible. I didn't know it was possible. I, I, will, I will tell you this, Joe. Have you ever been to Cooperstown, to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yes, I have. A long time ago, but I went there. Okay. If you got a chance to go over to Clemente's bronze plaque, when you walk into the, the gallery of the bronze plaques of the Hall of Famers, it's yes. on the left side. Yep. And I could tell you, because I've been there numerous times, that of all the bronze plaques, you look at Clemente's, Clemente's plaque is really the one that you could tell is quite worn by the amount of hands mm -hmm. that have touched that plaque. That it's just it doesn't have that that look, that bronze look, so to speak. It's just yeah. it's almost like so many the the countless hands that have touched that bronze plaque. I even had the opportunity, which it was check this out. You're gonna appreciate the story. So David Wright plays his final game at City Field. Remember that. Say, was it uh, 2019? I believe it was, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you would think I would know because I'm a Met fan. <laughs> and I remember one of my friends that works at the Hall of Fame, she goes, Danny, what are you doing Saturday? That's September day and Saturday. I said, I'm going to be here for David Wright. He's my guy. You know, we've had uh -huh. him talking 21. He's my dude. And he That's goes, right. I think you want to come up to Cooperstown. I said, why? Roberto Clemente's oldest living brother is going to be here. Wow. I said, I think I'll be passing on David <laughs> Wright. And I got, I know, I've known yeah. his daughters. His daughter, Janet Clemente, was on our podcast. And uh, it was my first time meeting the brother. And wow. he's 94, I believe now. And it was just amazing. That was his first time ever in Cooperstown. Got a wow. chance, took a picture with him in front of the plaques. And uh, it was his first time. And you could see how emotional he was touching his brother's uh, plaque and being there for the very first time. But let me ask you this, Joshua. If let's say Clemente was still alive, mm -hmm. Clemente right now would be, you ready for this? If Clemente was still alive, Clemente would be 89 years old. Wow. Yes, next wow. year would be his 90th birthday. He was born in 1934. So if we were wow. to ask you if Clemente had something to share as a coach, with mm. Joshua Palacios. What is it that you maybe want to get some tidbits, some pointers on? Offensively on Clemente or defensively? What would you would love to hear from Clemente? I mean, offensively, I would love to hear, but I would have to ask him, what was your throwing program, bro? You had a cannon. You were throwing darts from all the way in right field on a line to home plate. I would ask him, like, what was your throwing program? What was your process in getting your arms stronger? How'd you go about doing that? I would love to have a cannon like Clemente, man. Interesting that you said that because 
I've asked this question numerous times, and it's more the cannon, the arm. Never because Clemente, <laughs> what he did offensively. Gets 3,000 hits, you know, yeah. adding titles, but everybody wants to know, what was your regimen, your routine to build up the arm strength? Yeah. The closest that I ever saw someone, I'm 57, closest I ever seen somebody with that kind of arm was, uh, I, I'll be honest with you, as I met Daryl Strawberry, uh-huh. a player that played uh, with the Expos, Ellis Valentine, and a Pittsburgh Pirate by the name of Dave Parker. Those wow. guys had unbelievable arms. But I'm going to tell you something because you're going to appreciate this next question. Because this question ain't from Danny Torres from the Boogie Down Bronx. This question is from an 80-year-old fan who's a huge fan of Joshua wow. Palacios. His name is Jim O'Friel. He lives in Cranberry Township, not too mm-hmm. far from downtown Pittsburgh. And he said this. And just before I even tell you what the, well, I pretty much tell you, share with you what the question is, he actually met Clemente in 1956. No way. He wrote a poem dedicated to Roberto in 1973. The, the Baseball Hall of Fame loved not one but two poems that he wrote. It is now in the archives in Clemente's folder, Jim wow. O'Friel's two poems. So, wow. Jim O'Friel, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I got this question in for you, and you're going to appreciate it because you hear it. Absolutely, and I'm sure you're going to meet him. So this is the question. Because he loves how you play. He said, you were called up and the bulk of your home runs were at the latter part of the season. No one really talked about your pop and your bat and it's there. How have you developed that pop and your bat? And if you were able to play beyond the 91 games, it's quite possibly Joshua Palacios would have had 20 home runs. So he wants to know, what is it about how you've developed that pop, that home run swing? And what do you predict maybe how many homers you would have had in 2023 <laughs> if you would have played X amount more games? All right, so how I developed the pop, um, it was definitely two things. One was learning the league and learning the pitching, like learning how they pitched to me and learning how they went about sequencing pitches and stuff like that. Two was learning what to look for. I think this year I spent a lot of time like studying myself and I realized, okay, I can hit these pitches and drive them really well, so let's swing here and let's let go of the other stuff. And then the third thing would be a small swing adjustment that got me from hitting ground balls to second base to just staying through the ball and hitting those same balls for home runs, especially like the lower inside part of the plate, lower or in, I would like kind of roll over and go east to west. And I learned how to just properly get my bat through the path and it was able to elevate the baseball and hit it really, really hard. So those three things were a huge help. And, um, it's, it's development when you learn yourself and a lot of old veteran guys say that. When you learn yourself and you learn what you're good at hitting, it's a lot easier to hit for power. Well, it's, uh, you've been getting some wise uh, advice from people. And obviously, I think a lot, honestly, Josh, getting this Joshua, getting this opportunity to speak with you on a Talking 21 podcast with Danny Torres yes, is sir. getting the opportunity to see how you've made adjustments, how you're watching a game, and the different things that you're picking up is obviously somebody getting a chance to see you in 2024 to see what you're going to do. So finally, and even before we say finally, you had a chance to have some time with this 2015 Roberto Clemente Award winner and Andrew McCutcheon. How was Andrew, a.k.a. Kutch, as a teammate? And what was it like to be alongside someone who is obviously probably going to have his number retired by the Pittsburgh Pirates and quite possibly might even have a statue 
outside of PNC Park. How was it having Kutch as a teammate? But uh, the first day I got there, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was starstruck. I watched Kutch growing up. I don't get starstruck very often, but when I first saw him, I was like, man, I can't believe this is Kutch. So I was a little nervous, man. He's a big dog, MVP. Like he's in the city, he's doing it. But this dude was amazing all year round. He was amazing. He was just one of the guys. He was kicking it, funny with the dudes, keeping everybody loose, especially like being there. It was my first time there. It kind of kept things loose and made me feel comfortable and at home there. And I would just spend as much time as I could with him in the dugout, chopping it up and learning like little tidbits of like the adjustments he made in his career and some things that he worked on and some processes that he used that worked in the past. And it's been a major blessing to have a guy like that around for the valuable lessons that I learned and then also too for just the great man he is and keeping everybody comfortable and not big league of nobody. He's just being one of the boys and enjoying the day with the guys. That says a lot, uh, Joshua, because it says to me, as someone who plays in Major League Baseball, how much you give credit to those that have been in the game of baseball for so many years. Because a lot of times I'm a big believer that a veteran presence in the clubhouse having someone that's been there for X amount of years is literally someone that you would want day in and day out to help with you with those adjustments, the good days, the bad days, the in-between days. So I'm glad and happy to hear that Kutch has been that for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and hopefully he'll be that uh, for 2024 if he certainly does come back because there's a milestone that I believe uh, he wants to uh, reach. And I would love that to be wearing the Pittsburgh Pirates uniform. So I'm going to ask you this one now. This one you're going to love. So we've heard this question before, but I put a little twist to it because now I'm going to ask Joshua Palacios. (laughs) Three dinner guests. Now check this out. Three dinner guests. I want you to provide the menu. Oh, wow. Hold on, hold on. Let me finish up now. What you're going to serve, so you're providing a menu, what you're going to serve, where's the place that you're going to eat? No one say it's got to be Brooklyn. Maybe it's the boogie down. Maybe it's somewhere in the United States. Maybe it's somewhere outside the United uh, States. So the menu, what you're serving food-wise, where are you eating, and what are you wearing to represent not Santurce, but Brooklyn, New York, because <laughs> – this was Clemente's first team, the Santuse Crabbers. <laughs> so what get the menu, where you're eating, and exactly what are you wearing that represents Brooklyn? All right, the menu. I got three dinner guests. The menu well, we gotta first go to the place that we eat in. The first place that we eat in, man, that's a tough one. New York City, we got mad places we can go to. Um doesn't even have, they, to have to be New York City. It's gonna be, a New, to it's be gonna be in New York City though. Come on. All have right. they been in okay. New York City or not? I need that okay. one. They ever been to New York City or not? Well, like I said, your, your your three dinner guests could be anyone. Let's even keep it in the world of baseball. Let's keep uh-huh. it three three dinner guests, world of yeah. baseball. World of baseball, three dinner guests. Living or deceased. Living or deceased. <laughs> I mean, if you could do that, I'm bringing Roberto. Hey, we need to chop it up. You bring right. Roberto. Roberto's one. number one. Um, the second guy I would love to have. Um, great mentor to me would be Devon White. I love Devon White, man. Been a mentor to me. Have he told me so much. And then the third person I would love to have. I mean, I think Babe Ruth would be a character to have for a dinner. Um, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth. Yeah, Babe Ruth. Sibio Roberto. Bring my guy Devo, Babe Ruth. Um, and then I think I'll, I'll take him to Carmine's. I'll take him to Carmine's right. the Upper East Side. The menu's going to have the porterhouse steak. It's going to have the, the uh, vodka rigatoni. 
It's going to have the olive and garlic spaghetti. Um, we're going to have some baked clams, some calamari. We're going to do it big. We're going to have the bread there. It's going to be very nice. Very classy. And then what am I wearing, wearing to represent Brooklyn? I got um, I got a nice leather Brooklyn jacket. And it's like a Brooklyn Dodgers jacket. It's blue okay. with a little black made by Vanson okay. that I just copped. Um, okay. Probably some nice jeans. Some Jordan 1s, the all blue joints. Be the nice. kicks, the kicks, uh-huh. okay. And then we got the old, we're going to have the old school Brooklyn Dodgers atmosphere. You know what? I might, we're going to get four dinner guests because so I'm bringing Jackie Robinson too. Ah, <laughs> you know what? And you know why we we now we bend the rules a little bit? Because you got to represent Brooklyn with the great Jackie Robinson. Yep. I'm pulling I'm up glad, with Jackie. I'm pulling up with Jackie, man. I'm glad that you said that. And let me ask you this last thing. Now that you got all these baseball guys, and all you're gonna do is literally do this. <laughs> what would be the one question you quite possibly wanna ask each of those guests? One question. Oof. I would ask, what is the one adjustment that brought you the biggest amount of progression or gains that you had in your career? And it'd be open wow. for all of them to answer. Wow, wow. That, that one is actually quite deep to think mm-hmm. about it. Yep. And you I have let them, to I let really them think about that. Yes, I want them to talk. And, and what would you be eating? This. What would you be eating when they're, when they're uh, talking to sharing that with you? What you eating at I'm that moment? I'm not eating nothing. The food's going down, <laughs> taking notes. I got my phone out, I'm taking notes. Like, okay, boom, I'm writing that all down. Unless I got so to sit down with me, I'm taking do, notes. Do you take the fit in it and just put it around? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Turn it around. All right. You do the Ken Griffey Jr., right? You do the Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> Oh, man. Let me tell you. Oh, man. What what a day that be, man. Let me tell you that we finally got a chance to have you on Talking 21. I can't thank you enough because at the end of the day, while Danny Torres wish you lived and grew up in the Boogie Down Bronx, for (laughs) me, that you're representing not only Brooklyn, you are representing New York City. As someone that made it to the big show, Mm -hmm. knowing, as we talked in previous conversations, how sadly, the way it's structured, it just doesn't seem that the love is given to what the, the, the product that could truly come out of New York City as it pertains to baseball, because baseball is not dead in New York City. Baseball is still alive and well, maybe Mm -hmm. traveling. Maybe we don't see it the way in my generation, but at the end of the day, we see it in high schools. We see it on the collegiate yep. level. And listen, Major League Baseball, don't forget New York City, especially Brooklyn, and definitely the Boogie Down Bronx. So Joshua Palacios, thank you very much. Representing Boricuas, representing everyone, even though I know you played for Team Netherlands. I'm going to forgive you for that one. I'm going to forgive you for my that mom, one. My mom wanted to play, man. I know, I know. We got to listen. Everybody wants to talk about the Boricua side, but we got we to gotta show love to Mommy. And uh-huh. I certainly hope that Mommy gets a chance to hear Talking 21 with Danny Torres. So once again, Thanks Joshua Palacios, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you in 2024. And brother, have a great holiday season. Thank you for having me, man. It's been an honor. It's been a blessing. I had so much fun on this thing, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, brother. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Talking 21 podcast. And as we wrap up another year, a special thanks to the entire team, including our executive producer, Rasquevara. We appreciate every subscriber, every like, comment, and make sure to like that YouTube video. 
and rate us on Apple and Spotify. But I want to also thank my own family, especially my wife, Roxanne, and my two daughters, Tali and Sierra. My family and dear friends for all of your support throughout this Talkin' 21 journey. And I dedicate this episode to my mother, Teresa Torres Pastrana, who passed away on September 22nd, 2023. I love you, mommy. Te quiero y bendición. I want to take a quote from Joshua Palacios' Uncle Ray, who said to his nephew, you haven't done anything yet. So to everyone, keep pushing forward because the next chapter in your life is always in your hands. And then you can finally say, I did it. Happy holidays, happy new year, and feliz año nuevo from the Talking 21 podcast family.